This interview was awesome. It was with Eric Hinman. Eric Hinman is an angel investor. He's an influencer. He is an elite level triathlete. Um, and he brings a world of knowledge really through this conversation to the sports PT world, able to pull lessons on planning out one's day, optimizing for happiness as well as efficiency, and also covering all things high-level training and how to avoid burnout and injury um, and recovery techniques that have worked for Eric himself. He also provides outstanding tutelage on mentors, how to find them and how to cultivate them, um, and simply getting people to respond to the emails you send out. So great conversation, really great podcast. I learned a ton. Um, so I hope, I really hope you will too. As always, share your feedback, uh, True Sports PT on Instagram, or shoot me an email, yoni at truesportspt.com. I want to hear what you loved about this conversation with Eric. I want to hear who you want to have on, what you loved, and maybe what you haven't. Um, and happy to give you guys, the audience, whatever it is to make you, you a better sports PT. Look forward to hearing from you. Welcome to the True Sports Physical Therapy Podcast. As always, this is Yoni Rosenblatt, and today I'm joined by Mr. Eric Hinman, who is unlike any guest we've had so far on the True Sports PT Podcast. Eric, tell our listeners who you are. Hi, Yoni. Great. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, who I am. Wow. Well, I mean, that's honestly changed over time as I've written different chapters in life. Um, I mean, the current chapter in life that I'm writing is uh, athlete, brand builder, um, angel investor, um, community builder, connector. Uh, but to get to the stage that I'm at now, um, you know, I'll kind of backtrack to growing up in a really small town with a thousand people playing three sports in high school, graduating with 80 kids, um, wow. snowmobiling and fishing with my dad, boating on Lake Ontario. That's, that's how I grew up. So very small town living in the country. And then went to college at a state school in New York called SUNY Geneseo. <clears throat> and after that, my father gave me a, an incredible opportunity to build my own insurance agency, property and casualty insurance. So for seven years, I collected suits and ties and pocket squares and uh, cufflinks and uh, went door to door selling commercial property and casualty insurance. And over a seven year period, I built up a nice book of business with residual income and, and built an asset for myself, um, you know, that has really paved the way to the financial freedom that allowed me to start taking some risks. And in my mid to late 20s, I started doing just that. I uh, started a software company with a business partner, Steve Von Deek in Syracuse, New York. And uh, we grew that to a software agency building mobile applications for clients across the country. Um, we partnered with some college students at Syracuse University over that period of time. It was from 2010 to 2014. And, you know, that was my first forte into failing and then picking the pieces up and then, you know, figuring out, you know, how to make something of it. And then ultimately, you know, they've gone on to build an incredibly successful business with it. But I exited in 2014 as they were going a different direction than I wanted to go. Um, opened up a gym in 2013 in Syracuse, New York, co-founded a couple restaurants, um, and then started investing in various consumer brands kind of throughout that time period too. So um, Iron Man ultimately is what uh, led me to Instagram and developing a following on Instagram and, you know, leveraging all of those skills of building my own businesses now brands hire me to help them build their brands. And obviously a lot of that is through um, social media, creating content for them. But many of the brands I'm working with, um, helping them build their ambassador programs, I'm seeding product, I'm creating awareness for them. I put on tons of community events, workouts, uh, jumping in cold creeks, um, community ruck events for Go Ruck. Uh, I love community endeavors. Um, and then I'm helping them raise money. I'm introducing them to other founders of brands. I'm introducing them to distribution channels. So, I mean, I know having been in business that for someone to, to pay me to do something, I have to provide ROI. So with everything I do, I think about value. How can I provide value? I, I think that's a great 
takeaway and lesson. And this is the story and the kind of the background that I wanted to bring to our audience. I think, unfortunately, just to give you a little bit of background, it, uh, I think the PT and the sports PT is bereft of a lot of what you just said. That entrepreneurial go get them attitude is so clear in your story. And that's the story and lessons that I want to bring to this audience. So thank you for sharing kind of that background. What is it that gave you the gumption to start taking risks? Sets and reps and everything in life is sets and reps. So the more risk you take, the, the more you're more comfortable, you're going to be at taking risks. It's kind of like cold exposure. You know, we all know that cold exposure is uncomfortable in the moment, but the more I've done it, the less I fear doing it. You know, I know how I'm going to feel. I know I'm not going to die and I know I'm going to feel better afterwards. And, you know, taking risks in business is, is the same. You know, it sucks to lose money. You're going to lose money here and there. Um, but ultimately to succeed, I mean, you have to practice taking risk often. And, you know, I've also learned through time that you, you can get to a point where you can start to attract opportunities when you really understand your lane. And like, I know what my lane is. I know what I enjoy doing. I know what I'm good at. I know what I'm not good at. And I know how to partner with people that are much better at, you know, some of the things that are necessary to build a successful business. Um, but again, like those things all came from just putting myself out there and taking those risks. And the first few things were super scary. And now it's a hell of a lot easier for me to, you know, put money into a company or, you know, but I have my barometers too of, okay, I failed doing this. You know, this, these types of people didn't work for me. These types of opportunities didn't work for me, but it was really just from, you know, doing it and being really hands-on. Uh, mentors certainly help. You know, I always tell people that if you want to get somewhere faster, find someone who's already gotten there and, you know, befriend them, develop a relationship with them, obviously add some kind of value to them. So they'll, you know, add value back to you. But um, you know, I've always been, I've always surrounded myself with mentors and, you know, I keep a list of a hundred people that I want to interact with on a regular basis that, um, I feel like I have flow state conversations with, and they provide me with value and I can provide them with value. So your network is so important. Your environment is so important. If you want to be a tech entrepreneur, you know, go to New York city, go to Austin, go to San Francisco. Like you're going to be so much further ahead than being in, you know, the country where there aren't other tech entrepreneurs. So environment is crucial too. Now, you you mentioned your network. How do I get a guy like Eric Hinman, if I want Eric Hinman to be my mentor, to respond to an email or a phone call mm -hmm. to become my mentor? Yeah, really good question. So I like giving really detailed examples with this. I had a gentleman recently reach out to me um, who has started a ski company. Um, he's managing a brewery right now and just had an interesting life. And he messaged me and kind of told me his story. And he said that he had recently seen a podcast I was on where I talked about delegation, automation, and elimination in order to do what you can do and you can do best. And uh, he referenced that and said, I want to be delegated to. I'm looking for, you know, that next chapter in life that brings me satisfaction and would love to just jump on a 15 minute call with you and, you know, know that any help that you need right now, I, I am open to be delegated to. I just want 15 minutes of your time. So add some kind of value when you reach out, share a personal story, you know, give some background on, you know, don't just say, hey, can I steal 15 minutes of your time? Like there's no context behind that. Um, so give some context. I think that's super important. And if there's some kind of value you think that you can add, that's great. And then share your personal story. So I get a little understanding of, you know, who you are. Yeah, I love that. I also like that he mentioned a little bit about you, just that he showed yep, that he huge. did some research, right? Mm -hmm. Um, if I had a nickel for every time I got an email saying, Hey, I want to get into sports PT. Um, can I have a job? Uh, mm -hmm. Like, Tell me that you know who you're emailing, not for my own ego purposes, but because it shows that you give a damn and that yeah. you chose to reach out to true sports, let's say, because you value X and yep. I know you stand for Y, right? So um, that's that's just like a, another tidbit. Now, you mentioned um, knowing what you're not good at. What's the best advice to learning that? Um, so over time, I would make lists of 
times when I was completely present and in the moment and just felt like I was either adding a ton of value or getting a ton of value. And then I did the same for when my mind was wandering, I was doodling, I wished I was somewhere else doing something else with someone else. And, you know, you start to become mindful of, you know, when you feel like you are really serving and when you don't feel like you're serving. So that helped a ton for me. Um, and, you know, also like the things that I'm not good at, I don't like managing people. Um, I don't like customer service per se. Um, I like community events. I like early stage in companies. Um, and I had to like do a lot of these other things to realize they weren't for me. And, you know, could I develop some skill around it? Probably, but it would be a lot harder than developing the skill of connecting people, which I'm already just, you know, I enjoy and I'm really good at. Um, you know, I love being around people. I'm a type A personality. I'm not the person who wants to sit at the computer isolated and, you know, work on spreadsheets. And some love that. And, you know, for me, I did it and I realized like, damn, I'm just, I wish I was somewhere else doing something else. So that was my barometer. Am I completely present in this where I feel like I'm adding a lot of value or getting a lot of value or is my mind wandering? Yeah. Um, well, I just heard you say you just took time to evaluate how you felt. It's almost mm -hmm. like you were cognizant to take a step out of that rat race and say, how do I feel? Where do I want to go? And to evaluate which direction you wanted to go in. Does that sound right? 100%. Um, how do you learn how to take a step out of that rat race? That's something very honestly is, is difficult for me. Yeah. Um, I, I think it requires solitude and it requires stillness in your mind. And through my iron years, I practiced a lot of that. Um, you know, I was training 25 hours a week, running, biking, swimming, all, almost all of that alone. You know, I had my own training plans, so um, I wasn't with others. And, you know, just being outside with my heart rate elevated with complete solitude, no distractions, I was really able to almost unlock this psychedelic experience of, you know, how I wanted my life to look and what I wanted my days to be like. So I, I think that is important to create that solitude for yourself, whether it's going for a walk in nature or traditional meditation. Um, I, I think that's how you get there. And again, you know, going back to the sets and reps, like you need to practice it in order to get good at it. And, you know, I never practiced traditional meditation, but I did practice a lot of solitude and a lot of exercising with no one around me. And, um, you know, that allowed for me to just develop this mindset where I'm not constantly distracted. I can focus on one thing at a time. The first time you realized you were being mindful was when? Uh, I mean, I'm sure there were other instances, but I think the first time that I realized that it was a power I had was during those Ironman years, um, just during the, those, the run, bike, swim. Dude, that's, a, that's uh, what, I, what I'm worried about is that just sounds so massive, right? Like that's, that's hours and hours and hours of training and solitude, et cetera. The mm -hmm. first hint, like something much smaller when you're like, wait a minute, I, I don't want to put the cufflinks on. That, that's not where I want to go. Or mm -hmm. I, I don't want to put the uh, pocket square in. Uh, I, I need to be more of a, what was that, the small, the first step to say, this ain't right? Yeah, great question. I, I mean, I think it was based around exercise. It, it wasn't the, you know, my first Ironman. It was literally, um, you know, lifting some heavy weights and, and getting my heart rate really high when I hired a personal trainer in my mid-20s um, that, I mean, through college, you know, I drank heavily, I partied, I, I did what a traditional college kid does to have fun. And I thought that was how you meet people. That's how you build community. That's how you show your true colors as you get really drunk with people. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I did that until my mid twenties and it wasn't until I hired that personal trainer in my mid twenties, honestly, to get back into aesthetically good looking shape. I, I had no I, I didn't associate a feeling with it until I started doing it. And I'm like, wow, afterwards, I just have this crazy energy and mental clarity. And, 
you know, like in a way, I kind of feel like the man, like I felt when I was drinking, but I wasn't drinking. I wasn't getting shitty sleep. I wasn't eating poorly because of drinking. I wasn't Mm -hmm. making bad decisions. And I was like, okay, maybe exercise is this key to being the best me. So that's what it was. It was, it was exercise. And, you know, to break that down even more, it was CrossFit type training. He had me doing complex exercises like squatting and deadlifting thrusters. And then in between sets, I would row or I would run. I mean, this is going back to like 2006. So before Mm -hmm. CrossFit was really a thing, I was doing CrossFit type workouts with him. Um, and yeah, that feeling I got afterwards that we all now know is the, you know, endorphins and that post-workout high or the runner's high. Um, that was the feeling that I, I wanted to just replicate, you know, day in and day out. And I mean, now, honestly, my entire day is built around that feeling. It's, and, and it's a crazy schedule you keep and a crazy day. Just tell me if you can still hear me. Yeah. Okay, because I can't see you. Recording continues smoothly. I'll be return when their internet improves. What's with your internet, Eric Hinman? I'm not sure. I mean, it should be good. I'm on Wi-Fi. Hell yeah, you are. Let's see if she pops back in. Um, I can't wait for Sean to deal with this problem. <laughs> Better him than me. Okay. Yeah, can I, you can, s- I can see and hear you fine. You're not frozen. Okay. So, yeah, and I can hear you. So let's just, let me just keep rolling so I don't have a total lapse in thought process. Um, Okay, let's jump back in. I guess they'll deal with it, and I hope, I just hope your your picture's on there. Okay, so I'm talking about scheduling and really being – mindful and cognizant of what you're doing with your time, what brings you joy and the value that you're bringing and vice versa uh, to those around you. I see so much on your Instagram and others as to how you structure your day. Give me some advice how a sports PT or at any level, whether it be CEO of a exploding new sports PT practice or whether it be a staff PT just trying to provide provide the absolute best care. What is the best way to structure your day for efficiency, productivity, and happiness? Yeah, I mean, for me, the brain-body connection is so important. And, you know, even though there's this perception of athlete on, you know, Instagram and, you know, my, my public profiles, you know, ultimately I'm doing this to have mental clarity every day, to have energy all day, to not have a lull in the afternoon, to practice presence, to just feel like I'm in flow state all day. So, you know, all of the exercise and recovery modalities that I do are honestly fueling that for me. They're so much more important than the physical aesthetic or even the physical performance that I get from it. I just want to feel my best day in and day out emotionally and and mentally. Um, So, I prioritize self-care routines because of that, because I know that I'm going to function at my best. So, um, I mean, the first win for me, big win for me is getting in that morning workout where I train CrossFit five days per week at a CrossFit gym. I train for upwards of two hours. Um, I follow a program so I know exactly what I'm doing when I get in there. I'm around people that I enjoy being around. Um, I always invite people to come and join into the mix. So I get to meet new people through doing that. Um, And I feel like you develop incredible bonds through others by experiencing discomfort together. Um, And then after that, I eat a healthy meal, eggs, you know, animal-based products. I eat pretty healthy. Don't get me wrong. You know, if there's dessert in front of me, I'm going to devour it. But uh, breakfast and lunch are always pretty much the exact same day in and day out. I want them to be nutrient-dense meals that, just like exercise, fuel mental clarity, fuel good energy. So I don't eat super heavy. I build my calories throughout the day and eat my largest meal in the evening um, just because I need less mental clarity before going to bed. I just... (laughs) uh, And then I do a recovery routine every single night. I generally also do a a second session five to seven days per week of aerobic activity outside always um, soaking up sunlight. And I tend to pick skill-based activities where there's some risk associated over non-skill-based activities with no risk because, again, it just trains your mind to be super present. So I like mountain biking. I like trail running over road running. Um, I'll do anything where there's some skill involved as opposed to a non-skill-based activity. And then every day, um, we just pushed it back an hour. It used to be from 4 to 6, now 5 to 7 just because the sun is out a little later. 
um, we invite people to pass through our house and do sauna and cold exposure with us. Um, we have two saunas, we have two cold plunges, and you know, there's always like four to ten people that are passing through here every evening just outside of Denver to to do that with us. And that's like a big community building time. I don't watch the news. Um, that's where I feel like I get a lot of informa information is just from human connection and having conversations with people. So um, you know, a lot of these things, I consider them multitasking without multitasking, you know, yeah. with the benefits I get from sauna and cold, I'm also getting that human connection that we all need. Um, I'm learning from people. I'm able to add value and hopefully others are able to learn from me. I get to meet new people, um, when, when we're doing that, um, and opportunities obviously come from that. So yeah. I'm creating content all throughout the day, more documenting than creating, you know, just kind of documenting the, the workouts and, you know, the conversations that I'm having with people and the sauna and cold plunge session for the different brands I work with. And I have two, basically two to two and a half hour blocks when I take calls or do podcasts and, and do meetings like this. And they're always scheduled uh, immediately after exercise. I just know that's when my mind is going to be the most sharp. So um, 10.30 until about 12.30 or 1, I do cognitive tasks. And then again, from 3 until about 5, I'll do cognitive tasks. But phone generally is on airplane mode outside of those times, and I'm just doing my thing. Dude, what what I love about that answer is um, I thought I was going to learn something about how to block scheduling. And I'm doing this and this block and that and that block, which you did cover. And, mm -hmm. and that's super important. What I didn't expect to learn and hear from that is how do we muddy some of that? How do we accomplish two things with one given block? Like you said, I'm multitasking without multitasking. Mm -hmm. Here's where that lands for me. I work a ton. I just work a lot of hours and I love my work, but that's my work time. And then outside of my work time is my family time. And then outside of my family time is whatever the hell else I'm doing. Maybe I'm going about that a little bit wrong. Maybe sports PTs, if you're talking to the professional, I'll just talk about myself. Maybe I should be getting more of my socialization or more of my energy from others during my work time that doesn't have to be separate maybe mm -hmm. i should not think about hey i'm not able to do this because i'm working but wrapping those two together and I, i'm already doing that i just haven't been cognizant of mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. so eric I, thanks for teaching me that that's that's wildly helpful you should have led with that yeah i mean <laughs> so an interesting fact is in finland um which is known to be the happiest country in the world where i think there is one sauna for every two people. I mean, it might be, it might be even more than that. Um, you know, they're doing sauna as a family bonding time. That's where they discuss family matters and political matters. And that's where they have their most important conversations. And that's where they connect with other people. So, yeah. you know, they learned that sauna goes well beyond the physical benefits of it, that it's this bonding experience that you can do with others. So, yeah, I mean, when people, you know, there's some glass balls that, you know, I don't have that others have and can't drop like family and kids. Mm -hmm. And I, I understand that, but I, you know, I think there are ways to marry the two where you can get in some of these things that seem like they're an additional, you know, add on of time, but, you know, doing it instead of, you know, watching TV at night with your family, like maybe it should be 50 to 60 minutes of sauna and cold exposure where you can bond with your family and get the physical benefits of that. So yeah, I, I always look at time as where can I get the most bang for my buck without doing multiple things at the same time? Because I've tried that before and that doesn't work for me. doesn't work. Yeah, I can, I can imagine. Where'd you learn all these things? Where'd you learn this time blocking idea? Um, I mean, it, it goes back to those triathlon years when um, I was kind of phasing out of my insurance business, but still somewhat involved. Um, I was involved heavily in the software business. I mean, going to the office from nine to five every day. Um, towards the end of those years, 2013, I had opened the, the gym up and, you know, I mean, I, I had a lot of glass balls I was juggling during that time and I had to fit in three triathlon workouts every day to get my 25 hours of training in. So, 
you know, when you're forced to juggle all of them and you want all of them to work, you figure out a way. And I figured out a way where I could fit all of that in, but it had to be super structured. And there had to be periods of time where, you know, I was multitasking without multitasking. So if you want to meet with me, let's go for a run. You know, that's where we'll meet. And now all of my meetings are in the sauna. You know, I don't go on coffee meetings. I don't do lunch meetings. Anyone who reaches out to me, come over to the house, let's sauna. We'll do it then. So, you know, you can figure out these little hacks where, you know, you can benefit. And I also feel like it benefits others more too. You know, if someone asks to work out with me, like my priority is me getting my good workout in. Whereas in the sauna, my priority is my phone is off and I want to deeply connect with people. So, you know, I've, I, you know, those were learning things along the way too, of like, this is where I connect with people better doing this and I get my benefit of doing it. So let's combine the two and it's not multitasking. It's just maximizing time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, super interesting. Now, obviously big sauna guy, big cold plunge guy, still training predominantly with CrossFit, Mm -hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, what's one of the things you used to do from an exercise standpoint that you no longer do? Great question. Um, so I'm more balanced with my training now during those Ironman years. And, you know, I mean, to be really good at anything, I really feel like you have to take it to an unhealthy level um, where you're either overdoing it with that discipline or you are constantly riding that fine line of being very fit, being one of the best in the world and injury. Um, that's just a fact of the matter. So, um, now my training is, is much more balanced. I rarely do over 90 minutes of endurance work and I rarely am in the gym for more than 90 minutes to two hours. And I know that still sounds like a lot, but you know, I was doing five hour bike rides and two and a half, three hour runs and sometimes eight, nine hour training days during those triathlon years. And it was all zone two cardio. And, you know, that can lead to high cortisol levels and low testosterone and losing muscle mass and on, and also like getting some body fat too from not doing anaerobic efforts and not having the same muscle mass that you have when you're lifting weights. So what I don't do anymore is I don't overtrain in any one capacity. I try to be much more varied with my training. Um, so, you know, I'm strength training, I'm doing anaerobic conditioning, I am doing aerobic work still, but none of them is, you know, I'm not a bodybuilder, I'm not in the gym for five hours, I'm not a, you know, elite Ironman athlete doing four to five hour endurance sessions every single day. I'm kind of this hybrid athlete where I like to do a mix of all of them, and it still makes me pretty good at all of them, but I'm not going to be the best in the world at any of them unless I go to a place that's kind of unhealthy from a longevity standpoint. Yeah. Um, and we see that a ton with our endurance athletes is we're, we're just begging them to include some piece of strength, just some other yeah. piece of that spectrum because of really what you're describing as perhaps burnout, but, but also overuse um, and the injuries and, and time away from what they love doing as a result. Did you come across any injuries as you competed at such high levels? Yeah, definitely. Um, so in the Ironman years, honestly, most of the, the serious injuries were from bike crashes. Uh, my okay. finger is stuck like this. I can't bend it from the knuckle down from, from a bike crash. Um, I had some thing. issues here and there with hips and, you know, plantar fasciitis and little things that would like bo- bother me from here and there. But I never really had a, a serious injury where I ever had to get surgery outside of bike crashes. Um, when I first got into CrossFit, though, I was trying to train the same way I trained as an Ironman athlete, but with CrossFit, meaning I was trying to do four and five hour days of Metcons, and that just wasn't working. It broke my body down. I tore my MCL just on like a routine box jump, but it was so, you know, just broken down from doing way too much volume. And, you know, to get where I'm at now in CrossFit, I had to back off a lot on the volume. I had to ramp up my strength training, which was a lot more rest than I was used to. I mean, with Ironman, like I just wanted to go, you know, if you told me it was two hours of training, like I just want to get it all done. Let's let's go for two hours. I want my heart rate elevator for two hours. So I had to shift that mindset of CrossFit is very much about building strength and anaerobic capacity. And for both of those, you need enough rest in between sets and you need enough rest after the workouts to be able to hit it hard again, you know, two days after. 
Um, so major lesson learned with, with CrossFit that it was very different than the Ironman training where it's just kind of like every day, you know, pound yourself into the ground a little bit, but you know, never really bury yourself. It's just kind of continual fatigue that, that mounts up over time. CrossFit is, is more of like, you're really pounding yourself into the ground with some of these workouts and you're lifting really heavy weight and you have to rest long enough in between those sets or those anaerobic efforts to repeat that effort, to, to improve your lactate threshold and to improve your your anaerobic capacity and you know you have to also like reduce the volume a lot in order to get stronger or in order to get more anaerobically fit where eric i didn't hear you mention um exercise physiology in your education so where are you getting all this information uh, I mean, I'm a one-man scientist, so I, I think research. we're all one-man scientists. So and some research, some mentors, definitely. I mean, I had a coach during the triathlon years that you know taught me that I was going way too fast in all of my workouts to ever become a good Ironman athlete. And he taught me the Maffetone method of zone two heart rate training. And I thought he was crazy. I thought that to get faster, I had to just go out and keep trying to run faster and keep trying to bike faster. But he's like, no, you got to slow down so you can put in more volume and build durability and build an aerobic engine. So he was a mentor that definitely fast-tracked my way to, to success. I probably would have met you know, others along the way that would have been like, what are you doing? You're training the wrong way. Um, you know, right now I follow Matt Frazier's HWPO programming, you know, arguably the best CrossFit athlete to, to ever compete in the sport. So, you know, I, I try to find someone who's gotten to where I want to go and I learn from them and replicate what, what they've done. Um, so yeah, no, no formal education and, and exercise scientist. I've always just been, you know, a, a student of the game where I learn from others and then I try it for myself. And when I find something that works, I, I stick with it for a long time in order to get good at it. Yeah. I, you know, I was gonna, I had queued up as a, as a topic that I wanted to cover, um, why it is you think people tune in to your self-described personal reality TV show. Mm -hmm. I, but, but I think you just answered that. I think that's why, because similarly, I don't, I have zero formal education as it pertains to business, but here I am running a business. You have mm -hmm. zero formal education as it pertains to run, running and competing at Ironman. Yet there you are. That's what's awesome about having influencers um, like you, because anyone who's interested at attaining a given level, you're just out there. You're giving away this information. It's just on the person to go out and grab it. Right. And, yeah. and, and those lessons that you just described, like that zone two concept and your ability, well, we gotta, we gotta slow down so that eventually we can, we can speed up appropriately. Dude, that's gold for sports PTs. Right. Mm -hmm. Because I think sports PT is just like any industry. Like how much can I treat? Let me just treat, 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 treat. treat. Wait, wait a minute. We just heard from Hinman that the best thing he ever did was take a step back and assess where am I going? What do I love? What am I following? Same thing with sports PT, right? Like what piece of this career do we love? I happen to find it in that management side, in that business side and in that elite athlete rehabilitation side because that's what gets me rolling. I wouldn't have unless I heeded some of your advice, although I didn't know you then. I wish I did. Slow the F down so you can speed the hell up. Isn't that what you said? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's working on your business versus, uh, versus working in your business. You know, they're two yeah. very different things. And yeah, I mean, if you want to go further, sometimes you do have to take a step back and kind of look at the overarching theme um, to understand what you should be doing in the business um, because yeah. it is easy to get just trapped by the rat race and just like, you know, being reactive instead of creating for yourself and, you know, you manifesting your destiny. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let me ask you for just more advice, but a little bit more clinically now. As a sports physical therapist that I am, um, working with high-level athletes of all kinds, I am not an Ironman um, at all, but if you walk into my clinic – as the elite athlete that you are, what is it that I can do to best help you? Yeah, great question. Um, so here's my order of what I do 
when something is bothering bothering me. And and keep in mind, like I have that religious recovery routine of sauna and cold exposure every single night. Generally, two to four rounds of twenty to twenty five minutes in a two hundred degree sauna, and three to five minutes in forty ish degree water. Um, so that has helped me tremendously manage inflammation and and to manage injuries. But who ta- who uh, taught you that, Eric? Who taught you that? Because it's all the rage now. But I have a feeling you were there before a lot of people. Yeah, I started doing infrared sauna back in 2000 and, uh, 2013 as a way to acclimate for the Ironman World Championships in Kona. I was simply doing it for the, for the heat exposure. I had no idea the other benefits I was going to get from it. And, you know, after doing it for a few weeks, I realized that the feeling post-sauna was very similar to post-exercise where, you know, you just have this incredible endorphin rush. And it also would always de-stress me. You know, I could have the worst day and, you know, after that infrared sauna session, it really improved my, my mood. Um, and it was also helping with recovery, you know, from all of the running, like I was kind of constantly sore and achy. And after those sauna sessions, you know, it relieved some of the, the pain from relieving the inflammation. And then when I moved to Denver five and a half, six years ago, I found this place called Denver Sports Recovery that had an infrared sauna. And I specifically was going to go there for their infrared sauna. And they also had a hot tub and a cold plunge. And the people there, they were doing three rounds, five minutes in the hot tub, five minutes in the cold plunge. And I was intrigued. I had never done cold exposure before. So I started doing 50 minutes in the sauna and then three rounds of five minutes, five minutes. And I mean, that was just uh, everything else I had done before on steroids. You know, the the feeling afterwards was so much better. Um, the uh, relieving inflammation, relieving pain. I mean, after a year of doing it, all of those aches and pains from those Ironman years went away. And then the most important thing was the stress resilience benefits. Um, you know, I tell people that, you know, if you jump in cold water for three minutes, you'll be amazed what it does for your mood. It's like the fastest way to a state change and the fastest way to calm your nervous system after a shitty day. So, yeah, I feel like that benefited me so much from just a stress resilience standpoint of, of doing it. Um, and then, you know, I graduated to the ice baths and the barrel saunas and everything just got kind of more extreme. I mean, just like exercise, like once you get to a certain point, you have to go further or faster to get the same feeling. So, you know, now with that stuff, I kind of go a little further to get the, the same feeling. Same um, but yeah, there's just so many compounding benefits from it. And, you know, I also started to realize those community benefits too. the people I was meeting, the conversations I was having. I'm like, damn, I eventually want to create this this exact environment in my home to be able to entertain in this way and to be able to have these people, you know, come, come to me. Yeah. That's, that's pretty awesome. Okay. So when you walk into my clinic, right, tell me the best thing that I can do as a sports PT to give you an outstanding session. Yeah. So, I mean, first ask me, but you know, what's going on and how I'm feeling, what's bothering me, what I do, how I want to perform, obviously understanding who I am. Um, I just went to a PT t- uh, two days ago. And so to, to go back to where I was going before the recovery thing, you know, obviously is helping me a ton, but my protocols for you know, things are tweaked, injured. Um, I get a deep tissue massage every other week. I think that helps me tremendously during those Ironman years. I got a deep tissue massage twice a week, um, but I didn't have access to the cold exposure then. And, uh, then I resort to cupping that's next on the list. And then dry needling. I just had dry needling done on my right shoulder. Um, after some of those CrossFit open workouts with ridiculous amounts of pull-ups, um, I, my, the back of my shoulder was starting to bother me a bit. So, um, you know, I, I went to a PT very recently here in Denver and, and had that dry needling done. So that's kind of my last resort. If something is still bothering me after having done all of that other stuff, I go to dry needling. So, you know, I think it's, you know, for you asking people what they do on a regular basis for recovery, um, what they're comfortable doing, what they have already done in the past that may have worked for them, what they haven't tried yet. Um, and then, you know, you assessing what the issue is and what you think will work best. I mean, I really think for these chronic pain type things, for me, the dry needling works really, really well where, you know, more surface level stuff, deep tissue massage, soft tissue work, cupping, all of that stuff works really well for me yeah. from just preventative measures. Are you doing any um, corrective exercises as a piece of your training? I'm really not. No. Um, and not because I don't think it's important. I just... 
a lot of my mobility I've gained just from doing those Olympic lifts and just from doing pause squats and kind of going through the motions of CrossFit. That helped me tremendously with mobility. I do do a lot of accessory work, but they're more bodybuilder type lifts. Um, and again, that was from like realizing that what was limiting me in CrossFit wasn't really my larger muscle strength. It was my smaller muscle strength. Sure. Um, and, you know, technique obviously too is big. But yeah, I mean, doing bodybuilding type stuff where you're isolating your rotator cuff and isolating smaller movements, I certainly do that. You know, after all of my workouts, I have, you know, accessory pieces in there that are programmed by, by Frazier and his HWPO programming. Um, so I, I guess in a way, yes, I do do it, but, you know, they, they look more like, you know, small accessory lifts than they do, um, you know, stretching or, you know, corrective exercises. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think I would describe those as corrective exercises, right? Like those isolations and figuring out where it is you're weak and, and maybe where it is crossfitters are standardly weak and just programming prophylactically yeah. kind of around that um so you are doing it don't don't say you're not doing it you are doing it that that's like a piece of um you know our friend sean who put us together for the pod said hinman's great you're gonna love talking to him he doesn't uh he doesn't do any rehab stuff i'm like what i bet you he's doing some type of rehab stuff so little did you know you are doing rehab stuff, dude. You First of all, you can't look the way you do. You can't perform the way you do without doing some of that isolation. Sure. Let's agree. call it corrective, therapeutic exercise world. Thank God you agree with that. Otherwise, um, we'd have major, major issues. Yeah, um, no, completely agree. No, it's interesting. With CrossFit, it's just a balancing act constantly of what's holding you back. Yep. And, you know, for me, I got to a point where what was holding me back wasn't my larger muscles. It wasn't my quad strength. It wasn't, um, you know, my shoulder strength. It was rotator cuff or sure. hamstring, you know, smaller, more isolated muscles that, you know, typically don't get hit with some of those CrossFit strength training lifts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No question. And thank God for that, because that's what keeps us employed. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, obviously you are compensated to influence others as your job role as an influencer right mm -hmm. who influences the influencers um i mean for me i learn a lot like i said from conversations that i have with others you know i have that list of 100 G people that are give me the top five on there give me the top two on there who do i need to start following that i don't already yeah, I mean, I think most of your listeners and you probably follow Andrew Huberman. I think he's great at breaking down the science behind the feeling. Um, you know, it's always cool to hear him talk about why I feel the way I do when I do cold exposure, or yeah. sauna, or, you know, supplements, any of these things. Um, so he's great. You know, I, I mean, I really think it... Uh, ben Greenfeld, I certainly turned into Ben during my Ironman years. Dave Asprey was very popular when I first got into the sport. So, you know, I, I certainly did Bulletproof Coffee, you know, back early in the day. A lot of it for me is like, what chapter in life am I, am I writing and mm -hmm. where do I need help with it? Um, who has gotten to where I want to get to? And, you know, for me right now, it's less on the athleticism side and it's more on the business building side where I need help. Um, mm -hmm. I've just gotten to a place where um, I can no longer manage all of the tasks I have to run a successful business with what I'm doing. And I need to find others that can do some of the things I'm doing right now better than I can. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I reach, I had a call with my buddy, Adam Greenfeld today, who built uh, the company called Thesis, a nootropic company that Andrew Huberman talks about. Sure. Um, and, you know, he's someone who I've watched build multiple consumer brands. And I also know that he is incredible at, you know, building teams and he's incredible about making lists about all of the things that you don't want to be doing and then finding the people to do that. So, um, you know, the, the list rotates for me. It's really like, okay, this is where I'm stuck right now. Who on my list of a hundred can help me get to where I want to go without me having to, you know, just bang my head against a wall in order yeah. to get there. So yeah, I can't say it's one particular person. Um, Alex Hermosi, I've been tuning into quite a bit on, uh, you know, on YouTube, I have 30 or 45 minutes in the evening where I'll listen to podcasts or I'll watch um, interviews on, on YouTube. Um, so it's been more on the business side lately where I've been trying to, to learn. Sure. Um, yeah, that's really awesome. What's the number one podcast that you go to every day? 
Um, I mean, I don't go to any one podcast every day, but if I'm on a road trip, I'll certainly queue up Huberman um, conversations. Anyone that Huberman has on, I'm also generally interested in. So like uh, Peter Atia, I think it puts out incredible information. Um, ben Greenfeld, I still think, puts out pretty good information. Um, so yeah, those would be my go-tos would be, you know, Huberman or people that Huberman are having on his, on his podcast, my buddy, Aaron Alexander in Austin, Texas. I like his podcast a lot. He has great guests. I certainly turn into, you know, Joe Rogan. If, if I want to, um, you know, listen to something that is more conversational and, you know, I'm interested in a guest that he recently had on, um, That guy's that guy's ability to pull truth out of people is incredible. Yeah. Rogan, I yeah. mean, it's when are you going on Rogan? How do I start that petition? Yeah, I mean, let's just manifest it into the world. No, <laughs> no time, no time has been set. But um, I mean, he certainly is in a, a pond similar to mine. I have a lot of friends in Austin that are are friendly with him. I bet I'm surprised I have not seen you on there. Um, <clears throat> did you listen to Huberman and Galpin? Dr. Andy Galpin? I did. Yeah, Dr. Andy Galpin's incredible as well. Yeah, so I listened good. to that. I think I he love... just did another with it, one with him recently, but I listened to the one maybe a month or two ago. Yeah, he did a whole series. Um, and what I loved was, and the more and more that I get just bigger names on a pod like this, I start to realize the super successful are those who simplify the most. And, and yeah. Galpin, you know, at the top, he's at the top of the field from a strength and conditioning perspective and a research perspective his protocols are so simple. They're, they're so unbelievably intelligently basic. Um, yeah. and, and it's refreshing. It's like, yeah, less know, is more. Everything. I just posted that today or yesterday on, on social media. And it really is less, less is a hundred percent more that that is the key to success. You know, there's just so many distractions and so much information out there that, and so many, you know, ways that you can go now. And so many, um, yeah, social media is a blessing and a curse because we can be inspired in so many different directions by just yeah. like looking at our phone and that can sidetrack so many to get them off, you know, the one course they were on. And yeah, it's writing one chapter at a time, like live that chapter to the fullest. And if it no longer, no longer serves you move on to the next. And yeah, it's figuring out, I have this list of tiny wins that I, you know, live out every single day. And I think that's super important for people to make their list of tiny wins of things that just bring them joy. Um, another really cool thing that we did last year was we started this gratitude jar where my girlfriend and I, we write in it and then our friends write in it. And at the end of the year, we read all of those notes. And it was such a cool reminder of the things that matter most in life, reading that gratitude jar, the things that like lit us up. And it's not really the things that you would think, you know, um, it's, it's more of like the little things, the human connection, the conversation, the people that came over to sauna that night, the dinner we had with these people, you know, it's not the buying the Ferrari. It's not, you know, these things that the public perception of success, you know, tells you what to chase. So that was really cool. And I would highly recommend that gratitude jar. It's cool every day doing it, but the, the most powerful part was reading it at the end of the year and, you know, re-realizing how to, how to design your day. Super awesome. It sounds like you do some journaling also to get into that gratitude state. My wife always says, just have an attitude of gratitude. Mm-hmm. And how far that can go is is really incredible. One of the things I have a tremendous amount of gratitude for um, is coffee. Mm-hmm. And so what I want to know, Eric Hinman, ready? Why do coffee snobs look down upon dark roasts? Why is that? Just let me enjoy my dark roast. Give me your hot take on dark roast. Yeah, um, I'm not a coffee snob. Um, I don't do dark roast, though. I like medium roast a lot more. Um, I believe medium and light roast, they generally have more caffeine. Um, I like the way they taste better. Um, that That's the key for me is I just like the way they taste better. And, I mean, I make espresso every morning. I, I, I very rarely make coffee. And... Um, I feel like espresso generally comes out better in, in my machine if I'm doing a, a light roast or a medium roast. So, yeah, I mean, I've, I've never read anything into the coffee snobs saying that dark roasted, I guess, probably the process um, to get them that way. Maybe they don't like. But for me, it's more of a taste thing. And also the way it pours out of the espresso machine, the light and medium tend to pour better. Hmm. And your favorite um, brand? 
So I have been subscribing lately to Onyx out of Bentonville, Arkansas, one of the coolest cafes I've ever been to. Um, they have incredible beans and they just surprise me every other week. We actually just got our, our shipment today from them and it's a, it's it's a new road. They're always from different regions and um, their beans are delicious. There's a lot of great coffee shops out there. Heart I used to subscribe to. Um, I like these newer concepts where they have multiple beans at, at their shop. So you can try, you know, heart, you can try onyx, you can try a bunch of different ones and different brewing techniques. I, I love that, you know, coffee is going beyond just the like, yeah, give me my, give me my coffee in the drive by. Like it's, you know, cause it's such an art and, um, that's what I enjoy so much about making my own espresso every morning is it's, uh, you have the ability to improve every single day as, uh, as a barista by making your own espresso. <laughs> I love that. Um, yeah, I li listen, the, the way we do anything is the way we do everything. Right. And, and like diving in and understanding the process and that it's all about that process is, is certainly obvious as you make your espresso every morning in we were talking machines before we got on here. So mm -hmm. the machine you're currently sporting is which? It's a Rocket Apartamento. And do you, what do you add to that espresso once she comes out? How yeah, do you great drink question. it? Um, lately, I mean, it changes over time, but lately I've been added, adding one scoop of um, collagen powder and a little bit of honey. Sometimes I'll do like a grass-fed creamer of some kind in it as well. But yeah, the typical one is, uh, is espresso with collagen powder and some, some raw honey. I knew it would be raw honey because what else would, would you be drinking? It tastes so good. Yeah, it does taste so good. Um, and the health benefits are amazing. So um, just kind of wind it down for us, Eric. Give us the most important thing you want to share with burgeoning sports PTs across the country? Yeah. I mean, I think the most important thing is movement is medicine. You know, that's, that's a, a tagline I live by. And I think it's so incredible that, you know, PTs have such an instrumental effect on people's ability to move and, and move often and move well. I think we were truly designed to lift heavy things, to be outside, to be moving often. Um, you know, I think sitting is crippling. I always feel my worst when I take a long plane ride. So, you know, to me, there must be something internally that's going on from sitting for that long. Um, so yeah, I think my, my advice would be keep doing what you're doing because you're adding so much value to people's lives by allowing them to, to move and, and move often and, and move well. Yeah, that that's that's super awesome. Thank thank you for sharing that from a from a dude who obviously moves a ton. Um, I think I think that really resonates. Also, the list of mentors, how to acquire a mentor, how to develop those relationships is is something that I really took away mm -hmm. from from this conversation. I think I think our audience is going to absolutely love that. So tell us where that audience can interact with you. How do we best find you? Yeah, best place is on Instagram. Um, that's my primary platform that I use and I respond to all DMs and comments. So um, I love engaging with people that are like-minded and I love adding value and sharing things that have benefited me so much throughout the year. So it's just my name, Eric Hinman. Awesome, and, and you've certainly done that for all of us today, really, like uh, the knowledge, the wisdom. Uh, I love how cross-sectional it is, like business is business and um, your ability to rise in a business outside of sports PT do doesn't even matter the fact that it's a different field. It's so applicable and so apropos to what it is that us sports PTs go through every day. So Eric, thank you for, for the knowledge. Thank you for the wisdom. I'm sure we'll do it again soon. Um, I'm really looking forward. Would love to. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. See you guys. As always, I'm going to ask you for a favor. Please listen learn and share our content and leave us a five-star review wherever you consume your true sports pod. That little act of kindness will go a very long way to helping us and helping our profession. You can reach out directly to me with feedback on the pod, what you loved, what you didn't love, and who you want to hear from. 
Also, if you want to join our team of outstanding sports PTs, shoot me a DM on Instagram at TrueSportsPT or email me directly, Yoni, Y-O-N-I, at TrueSportsPT.com. Because after all, this is what sports rehab should be. Look forward to hearing from you all soon.